This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Last time I was here, just a few weeks ago, we were kind of wrapping up the I Am series, right? And Jesus saying, I am. And we've transitioned now into this you are piece of the, of the series. And today we're talking about you are a friend of God. <clears throat> and so that got me thinking about different kind of friendships. I'm a little bit of a history nerd, you know. So I was thinking about some classics, you know, John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, right? Friends to frenemy to friend, yeah, if you know anything about uh, those historical figures. I was also thinking about J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, you know, some classics, Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia. I was also thinking a little Calvin and Hobbes, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the most classic, Buzz Lightyear and Woody, right? You've got a friend in me. I'll spare you. I will not sing it this morning. But classic examples of friendship. And that got me kind of just thinking about about just friendship in general, right? And so before we even jump into this, just a a little side note or a, a disclaimer that when we're talking about friendship, obviously what we're talking about is a relationship. So you cannot have a friendship with God if you are not in relationship with God. In fact, Romans 5 makes it really, really clear that before we are in Christ, if we've not accepted Christ's work on our behalf by faith, then we are actually enemies of God. And so we just need to make sure we're thinking about that correctly as we jump into this today in that you cannot be friends with God if you have not come to Christ in submission and in faith and uh, allowed yourself to be justified by the work that he has done on our behalf. So I just wouldn't want there to be any confusion to say, well, I can be a friend of God even if I haven't like submitted to God, because that obviously would mean that we're not in relationship, and friendship and relationship are key, right? We're all on the same, same starting page. That puts us all like in the starting block at the same place, location. Not that I'm a runner, I'm totally pretending. I actually don't even know that that was like the right terminology, but I feel like I watched the Olympics, so now I feel like I know. But <clears throat> I was a javelin thrower in high school, like run 10 feet, chuck a stick. I can do that. Lap and lap and lap. That's crazy. I don't know why people would do that, um, but they do. I actually almost speared um, a hurdler once when I was learning to throw javelin. My arm went, arm went the wrong way. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, but I diverge. So we're talking about friendship with God this morning. We're going to find ourselves in the book of John, chapter 15 where Jesus is going to make it very clear to his disciples what it looks like to be a friend of his. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus kind of spells it out for his disciples there, and I look forward to kind of unpacking this uh, passage with you, and I think the first thing that we see clearly is that uh, friendship with God requires obedience. 
everyone's favorite subject. Yes? Yes. Because this is not a friendship among equals. And we need to keep that in mind. Jesus is very clear here that says, if you obey my commands, then you are my friend. And, you know, I think a lot of times there's some confusion about that because we want to say, well, God loves me, so I can live however I want to live, and I can do whatever I want to do or think whatever I want to think, and, and God and I, we're cool, we're good. But Jesus here very clearly says that, no, you are my friend if you obey what I've commanded. <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because, you know, I'm sure over in kids' ministry, they talk about obedience quite a bit, right? Because, I mean, we, we get to a certain age, if we're being honest. We don't need to name that age. I mean, we don't need to do that. But we get to a certain point where, you know, we're driving ourselves and we're doing things and we're working and we make our money and we make our choices. And all of a sudden, we start to live in a very autonomous way. Well, don't tell me what to do. I'm a grown-up, Right? My mother says I was the worst offender of this between ages 17 and 18. I don't know. Take it for what you will. Right? But this idea of obedience, we think of it as like a kind of a, something we do with children. Children have to learn to be obedient. And we think, I think it sometimes, that we no longer have to wrestle with what it means to be obedient to Christ. But our entire lives, we are growing in obedience to the will of God right? Anybody have a parent in here that has taken their spiritual mandate of discipline seriously? Yeah? I did. I had parents that at times I thought they thought it was their spiritual gifting. I grew up in a very strict household. But what's interesting is that as I grew, and I did not appreciate the discipline in the moment. I, I know this will shock you, but I was a rather sassy child, and I did not appreciate those moments of correction and say to my parents, oh, mother and father, thank you for disciplining me. Thank you for loving enough to correct me. No, no, they usually got a huff and an eye roll, which then immediately followed more discipline and correction. But as we grow in life, we realize that discipline is a good thing. But I have to caution us as adults to think that we're past that, right? We're not past that. We have to grow in our obedience <clears throat> to the Lord. And in fact, that parent-child is probably a good picture uh, to think about. There comes a point in your relationship with a child, or if you are the child with your, with your mom or dad, where it is clearly a parent relationship, but as you grow in obedience and as you grow in relationship with them and you just grow in your own understanding, you come to a place where there's also an element of friendship there, right? My mom and I, I would say, are BFFs. And she even knows what that means now, which is impressive. But we work at the same school. And so <clears throat> it's one of our favorite things to do to just, you know, make kids squirm, and so we will put them on the spot, and we'll be like, who's the favorite Boyd? Who's your favorite? And they're like, ah, <laughs> you know, and we make them feel really uncomfortable, and for some reason, that brings our hearts delight. So I don't know, we probably need to grow more, too. But this idea of, of friendship and relationship, and in fact, it's not that John here is saying 
that you're no longer ever going to be a servant. In fact, we're going to hear uh, in a, in a, even later in that chapter, he goes on to still call us servants. But there's this other dynamic that we're seeing at play that John is emphasizing in this friendship role that requires our obedience. And that leads specifically to kind of this next portion here where friendship with God requires obedience specifically to his word, to his word. And while while a servant doesn't know uh, the master's business, so to speak, John is comparing and saying, but as a friend, you know the business of the father because I have told you the business of the father. And so it is knowing the word of God that makes us uh, deep in our friendship with him. So we shouldn't think of it as, as that we're not servants, but I think the best way to phrase this would be, I'm not just a servant of God, I am also a friend. There's, a, there's another dynamic, another lesson. And so if we, if we were to examine scripture, I think we see another helpful example of this, because there was a, there was a man who was called a friend of God, and that was Abraham. So James tells us that Abraham was called a friend of God. And if we were going to go look at the context of that, uh, we would go to Genesis, and we would see that the reason Abraham is called a friend of God is because God spoke to Abraham. So we have this past example, right? And then if we were to put ourselves in the present tense, of our passage where Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he is saying, you are my friends because I have made known to you all the things. And in fact, in this same chapter of John, basically Jesus is saying, hey, look, my words have to remain in you. And there's the, that, that is a defining element of this friendship. And then we fast forward because we see that as Jesus spoke to his disciples, God's word still also speaks to us. Second Timothy tells us this. So Second Timothy actually says that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now think about those words, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training. Those are all words that have to do with developing discipline and obedience in our lives. So that doesn't just stay in kids' ministry. That doesn't just stay a part of childhood. But what is Scripture saying? That Scripture helps us who are in Christ, to grow in our obedience to God. So so being in Christ, being a friend of Christ, is bringing our life into alignment and our thinking into alignment with his word. It's what he has called us to to know him. In fact, I love this phrase. I, I don't know who said it, but I, uh, Facebook reminded me that I posted it uh, a while ago, and it says this. It says, we need less God told me and more it is written. 
Now think about that. There's a subtle difference there. Because a lot of times we want these like aha moments. If God would just audibly speak, if God would write it in the sky, then I would do the thing. In fact, I work with teenagers that are kind of just in that transition period of getting ready to make some of their biggest decisions in life, like where to go to school and and what they're going to do and and all of these things. And they can be so anxious sometimes about like, I don't want to be outside the will of God or like, how do I know what God wants me to do? And the reality is just get into his word. Just get into his word. Know him. This is how we know God. We walk with him and we know his word. And then we live life in the direction of the talents, interests, abilities, and passions he's given us with the humility to say, God, at any point you can interrupt my plans for your plans and I'll do it your way. And that is walking with Jesus, right? And the more we know him, the easier it is to walk with him. In fact, it's kind of funny because my best friend works at Gateway. Her name is Shelly. She's the children's pastor. So she's over teaching all your kids about obedience, so you should thank her later, okay? But if you were to hear Shelly and I, we don't really hear it. Like this, we recognize this now, it's not surprising to us, but people will always tell us that we sound alike, that we talk alike, that we joke alike. A lot of times we even dress alike. And so this funny little thing happens where every time I'm here and I'm speaking, someone will come up to her and say at a later time, hey, great job on Sunday. And she's gotten to the point where she will just say, thank you. And I'm not okay with that, right? But the reality is because I've known Shelly for, well, longer than she would probably want me to put a number two on a stage. But we have, we have known each other. We have lived with each other as roommates. We, we, like, there is a depth of relationship. And so it is easy to see me reflected in Shelly and Shelly reflected in me. And that's the same reality of depth of relationship and friendship that we are called to. But it's not a one-sided thing. And it's not an equal thing when it comes to God. He invites us into a way of knowing him that requires spending time in his word, being aligned with his word, um, and walking a a process of living that, that continually grows in knowing him and being obedient to him. And the purpose of all of this flows nicely together. He says, you, you've, friendship with God requires obedience to the word of God so that we may bear fruit. So that we may bear fruit. Verse 16 of our passage says, I appointed you to go bear fruit. So we see that knowing God through his word and being obedient to what his word says should result in kingdom productivity. Now, I love this, this verse when it says, not just any kind of fruit are you going to bear, but you're going to bear lasting fruit. Have you purchased fruit recently? Now, I've, I've just recently ended summer vacation as a teacher and gone back to school. So I know that you can only sympathize with me so much because teachers, we take a lot of angst over summer break sometimes. That's fine. It's fine. I can deal with your bitterness, okay? 
But the first year back to school, the first month back to school, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a whiplash situation. But you know what? The ministry of Fred Meyer makes your life a little easy. You can just order your groceries online and go pick them up. You don't even have to go in the store. And I was like, this is so fabulous. This is great. I'm going to do this until the first time I brought, bought produce. And I got home and it was like a five-year-old had juggled with my fruit and then put it all in the bag. And I was like, what is this? This avocado, I open it up and I'm like, what? I never would have picked this avocado, right? Or can I share one other woe with you? I'm, I'm a single gal, I'm a single individual and well, that's rough and you can all feel bad for me. Wait till I tell you this next piece. As a, as a single person, have you ever bought a bag of clementines? There's like 40 of them. I can't eat 40 clementines before they go bad. So I'm like taking them to school. I'm like, here, you have an orange. You have an orange. You need an orange? Hey, have an orange, right? Because I can't consume that many clementines before they go bad. But see, that is not the fruit that Jesus is talking about. Because in this analogy, he makes sure to be clear and he says, you will bear fruit that will last. And that is the fruit of salvation. That is people's souls coming into the kingdom of God through relationship and faith in, in Jesus. So our friendship is not just so that we can kick back like we know a celebrity. Our friendship with Jesus comes through knowing him and being molded by his word and living it out in a way that produces salvation in others when they come to see Jesus and the Holy Spirit draws them to God as well, as only he can do. And you know, we're going to, okay, so everybody mentally, we're just going to press pause for a moment on our current conversation because there's a part in verse 16 that we just have to deal with because it's there and it doesn't really apply to what we're saying, but it's there and so we have to, we have to like understand it, right? Because I'm a Bible teacher and I just can't ignore it. I can't do it. Tom, I can't do it. I'm sorry. So here we go. What is this business about having fruit that will last and that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. We just, we gotta, we gotta deal with that, right? Because what friendship with God does not mean, and what we have to be careful to not misunderstand about that part of our passage, is that it does not mean that if we're friends with God, we get whatever we want. It does not mean that. Now, it's tempting to want to divide that verse in half and just focus on the getting what you ask for. But we have to keep it in context of not only the verse, but the passage. And the context is that when you are so aligned with the will of God and you are friends with God and you are bearing fruit for the kingdom, that his priority is your priority and your will is aligned with his will, that then what you are asking for is also in line with the will of God. And of course, it is always God's heart to grant the things that are in his will. Now that does not mean that we don't bring every need to the Father right? But this guaranteed answer is, is not the context of bringing needs. That's not what this passage is about. 
This passage is about abiding in, remaining in, being one with the will of the Father, being in, 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 in his word and aligned with his will. And that's where this guarantee comes. In fact, I love how BibleRef.com puts this. And I use BibleRef.com because I want you to see it. I want you to know it because if you've ever got a Bible question, it's an excellent online free resource. So here's what BibleRef.com says about our passage. Jesus is echoing comments he made earlier regarding fruit abiding in him and the way God answers prayer. Production of spiritual fruit is a primary sign that someone is vitally connected to the true vine. God's intent is that we abide in Christ, embracing and deeply engaging in the work to which he has called us. When the word of God abides in us and drives our thoughts and desires, it aligns our will with the will of God. God's prayers are always and only answered in accordance with his will. Only when we ask his will is it guaranteed to come to pass. Christians are only truly praying in the name of Jesus when those prayers are offered in total submission to his sovereign will. So being a friend of God does not mean I can pray for whatever I want and he promises to give it to me. Whether that's a Lamborghini or at this point a husband, which both seem, seem equally as improbable at the moment in my life. And ladies, you know Hallmark Christmas season is already starting to start even though it's only October. So pray for me, okay? But it reminds me also of the verse in Psalm, Psalm 37, 4. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How often do we come to this verse as if, well, I better figure out how to delight the Lord so I can get what I want. And that's completely backwards. If I am truly delighting in the Lord, or abiding, as John would say, then he is my desire. And his will is my will. And those prayers become different because I recognize that this is all temporary. And what matters is eternal. And so yes, I bring every need as a child to my father and he welcomes that. But the prayers that have this kind of guarantee are the prayers that align with his purpose and his will, which is what the Holy Spirit works in us as we abide in him and are invited into friendship with him. Do we see the difference? So important that we, that we grab that. Okay, now press play on our main point. So friendship with God requires obedience. That obedience is to his word so that we may bear fruit. I'd say it's almost mathematical, but I hate math and I just can't go there. But do we see the, we see the progression so as we think about kind of how do we apply this and kind of close out this thought this morning, I think John gives us a hint, not even a hint. He kind of spells it out in what Jesus said. Because the very last portion of our passage says this, this is my command, love each other. Okay, so friend of God, obedient to his command to, to bear fruit, Love each other. And I think we need to note that that is specifically being said to the family of God. 
He's talking to his disciples. In fact, if we have any doubt of that, we could just back up a couple chapters, John 13, 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And I think it is fitting for us to sit in that for a moment. Because I don't know about you. I'm 37. And I would say the last two years are the most divisive that I have ever experienced in my, in my time frame of living. Most division. Ugly. And I wish I could say that that wasn't happening in the church or from the church. But I don't know that that is a fair grade for us to give ourselves. Love each other. That's my command. You who are my friends, you who will be obedient to my word, those of you who I've chosen to bear fruit, love one another. So even those I disagree with, I mean, despite the fact that they're wrong, and that I've tried to bring clarity, and they're still wrong? They're choosing to be wrong? Now, I'm a pretty opinionated person. That might not surprise you too much about me. So I feel like on a daily basis, I have an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to help me love people who are wrong. (laughs) Right? Love those who are rude and unloving to us, not gracious, unkind, love them. Love in a way that Christ was getting ready to display to his disciples. I mean, just a few chapters down the road, Jesus is gonna be obedient to the point of death. Why? Because of his love. How did he show that love through sacrifice? Submission, service, man, what humility would be required of us to love in a way that would bear fruit. I don't know about you, but I know that when I point the mirror at myself, it is very easy to find selfishness and a stubborn spirit. And may God help me with that. May he help all of us, whatever our struggle is, wherever we struggle to do that. May the Holy Spirit, as we abide in him, in his word, help us to be people that display the same humility and mindset of Christ who loved in obedience and sacrifice. I mean, let's just talk about sacrifice for a minute. We're talking about sacrifice to the point of death. I often don't even want to sacrifice to the point of discomfort. I don't know about you. I'll sacrifice when it's easy. I'll love the people who I want to love. But man, this is a challenging word. Friend of God. Friend of God. Invited in. 
May we be people who in obedience to his word, to who he is, to the example that he set, may we endeavor to be surrendered to the same capacity by the help of the Holy Spirit so that we might bear fruit in our love. Amen? Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much that you set the example, that God, you don't just tell us to go do something, but Lord, you stepped into our story. You put on flesh in order to, in obedience and humility and sacrifice, save us. And so God, we recognize that. We, we say thank you for that. And God, would you help us be people who, because of our relationship with you, would, would we abide in your word? God, would we allow it to take root? God, would you, would you help us? Holy Spirit, would you help us be people who love like you? Because God, there is a world that is hurting and broken and God, they do not need to see us. They do not need our opinions, but God, they need us to show them you. Would you help us? In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, so glad that you're here. So glad that you're joining us online. Thank you. Balcony people, God bless you for being in the balcony today and, you know, just everyone for coming in and, and joining in. Um, wow, I have a story to tell you because I made a decision. Oh, thank you very much. One person wants to hear my story, my decision, right? Okay, you do want to hear it, right? I hope so because you're going to hear it anyway. So, um, uh, Jen and I uh, were away for a couple of weeks vacation. We, we went camping, so it's something we enjoy doing. And, but before we did, I decided, I made, this is my decision, I decided that um, I needed a knife. Because I don't have a knife. And, you know, and I figure every man should have a knife, right? And so I, uh, and so I went to the store, to the sportsman store, because that's where men go to buy knives. And, um, and I bought this knife, you know, and I was going to, I actually was going to bring it with, with, with me today, but I didn't want to like spook anybody or something like that, so I left it at home. But I bought this knife, and uh, it, uh, I, I spent 40 bucks for it. I mean, is that a lot? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, but it's, it seemed like a lot to me. Anyway, so I bought this $40 knife, and I brought, brought it home in the package, and so in the package, it's, it's open, you know, so you can see the blade, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. So um, I, I get home, and I cut open the package, and I open it up, and I'm showing Jen my brand new knife. And then I'm showing her how it closes, except for this is the problem. I can't get the knife closed. I honestly can't close the knife. I mean, it... I worked, and I, and I pushed this, and I pushed that, and I pushed this, and I pushed that. And here's the deal. I actually went to YouTube, and I brought up some videos on how to close this knife, you know. And now I'm embarrassed, right, because my wife, you know, and, I, and all that kind of stuff. And so, anyway, um, I can't get this knife closed, and finally I give up. And so I drove up to my good friend's house, and I said, I bought this new knife. I can't get it closed. To which he looks at it and just goes, oh, you just do this, push this, boom, it closed. Like, what do you got to be? You got to be kidding me. So it was just this little tiny thing that I didn't see. And it, now I can get my brand new knife closed. Thank you very much. Except for, except for, 
I promptly stabbed myself in my hand. Short time later. Right there. Was bleeding everywhere. Jen says, you need to go get some stitch here. I go, no, I don't. First of all, I am not going to the doctor. Sorry, doc. To get a stitch in a knife that I stabbed myself with. And um, so I'll just put pressure on Because if you're bleeding, what do you do? You apply pressure. So that's what I did for a long time. Never stopped bleeding. She says, you think you might need a Band-Aid for that? So yeah, give me a Band-Aid. So I left it on there like, you know, for like a couple weeks. And it finally stopped bleeding, you know. And so anyway, here's the moral of that story, right? I was equipped with a knife. I just didn't know how to use it. And strangely, that's what I want to talk to you about about today because here's what I want to tell you the big idea kind of the pathway forward as we spend you know 25 or 30 minutes together here here it is right there the very thing that you need is the very thing that you have you just might not know it we'll say it again ready the very thing you need is the very thing you have as a follower of Jesus you just might not know it and that's what I want to talk to you about about today you see spiritually speaking for many of us, that just might describe our faith journey, just, just a, a little bit. So in, in this world, um, um, there's a lot of confusion going on, right? And this confusion that we're living in the middle of has led to a lack of peace and a, and a lack, of, lack of joy. It's led to both, what I just call, uh, wa- it's led to wandering, W-O-N-D-R, and it's led to wondering. Like, which way do I go? So how do I navigate this life? I'm, I'm wondering, how, how, how do I navigate this particular decision I'm facing? How do I navigate this life and all the confusion that, I, that I'm facing? How do I navigate the tough conversations that I'm either in right now, for many of you, or the tough conversation that you know you need to have? How am I going to do this? How do I navigate that? And so we're, we're wandering, or, and, or, and maybe we're actually wandering. How do I make a decision? This is where many are right now. How do I make a decision that I know is going to impact my career? Many of you are facing that today. And then this, will my life, the way I'm living out my life today, will it honor Jesus, will it honor the Lord, will the decisions that I'm making Today, honor him, regardless of how old or how young I am. And so I want to change up that first statement. The very thing you need is the very thing you have. You just might not know it to something a little bit different. Here it is right here. The very thing you need is the very thing you have, and I want you to know it. I want us to live, to, to leave today, to live in and leave today with the idea that we have everything that we need as a follower of Jesus to navigate this confusing world. Now, if I were to ask you how many today are living in any amount of confusion, how many would raise your hand? Because my mind would go up, right? Absolutely. You're kind of wondering, like, what's tomorrow going to hold? What's, what's the next thing, you know, that we're going to face? It's confusing. What next decision am I going to have to make that I don't know how it's going to impact my life? And there's where, where we are. So, how, we, how do we navigate this? Well, I got a scripture for you. It's in 2 Peter. Here it is right here. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power. Everybody say divine power. His divine power has granted to us what things? All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. His 
divine power has granted to you and he's granted to me everything that we need that pertain to all of life, every decision that we might be sitting with right now, every moment that we might find ourselves in. He's given us everything to navigate this world, his divine power. As followers of Jesus, we receive power from the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, his divine power, the Holy Spirit. Divine means it comes from God. So it's not based on your wisdom or your knowledge. So um, that should free a lot of us up. Like, I just can't figure it out. I just can't see the way forward. I don't know how I'm going to navigate this. This should free us from that concern because it's not based on what you know. And it's not based on what I, what I know. It's this divine power. It comes from God. <clears throat> and that's the reason why every one of us, every follower of Jesus, regardless of how long you've been following Jesus, can experience walking in his wisdom, walking in his knowledge, and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you and lives in me. When it comes to business decisions that a lot of you are facing right now, maybe, maybe employment decisions or whatever, when it comes to that decision, what do I, I do? That many are right, making right this moment, his divine power has granted you everything that you need to make that decision. Is that good news? Yes. When it comes to career decisions that many are making today, and you're reading about them and I'm reading about them, we're praying for, for people as well. His what? Has granted you everything that you need right in the middle of life. He knows the future. When it comes to family decisions that people are making even right now, his divine power grants you what you need. When it comes to personal decisions of all kinds that many are making right now, his divine power grants what you need to make that decision. And when it comes to the spiritual battle that you and I are facing today, guess what? We don't battle on our own. His divine power grants us everything. The Holy Spirit that lives in you empowers us and leads us in all things pertaining to life. Now, sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people go like, ooh, what's that? Is that like, that's like a ghost thing, right? I mean, have you heard? Like the, the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. We're talking about the God who lives in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. And if you're a follower of Jesus, every one of you is empowered by him, by the Holy Spirit, to live out this life. Now, um, uh, most have, uh, you, parents, right? Most of you have parents, and many of you are parenting um, right now. And so your children are all kinds of ages. And some of us, our kids have, have grown up and, you know, now they're parenting their kids. But we've all experienced like probably the exact same thing. And here it is. Remember, well, yesterday we had this like this storm, right? Blow through, didn't we? It's raining and wind and how many went out? I saw pictures of people out, you know, on, in, you know, in the storm and stuff like that. Well, you didn't go out with your T-shirt and your shorts on. Some of you probably did, but that's weird. I'm just saying that right now. So, but most of us, like, prepared ourselves, right? And the thing is, if you sent your kids out, you probably did this. You probably put their boots on because we know every 
You know, every kid has boots. So I think my kids wore their rubber boots until they were like 12 years old, you know. So like, put the boots on, right? But so parents would never, you would never send your kids out into that kind of weather without doing what? Preparing them, getting them ready to face whatever it was that they were going to face. Many of you have, you know, given your children wisdom, things that you've learned to help them navigate maybe a decision or something that they were facing. So you were equipping them to face whatever it is that they were going to face. That's what you were doing. You sent them out probably even today with lunches or something, some way to to eat, right? Because you know they're going to need that in order to be, you know, successful. So whether you buy their lunch or you fix them lunch, you are preparing them for what they're going to face. This is our story as a follower of Jesus. We have been empowered. We have been prepared to face everything in life. If I were to ask you today, And I have asked this question, how many are worried about the future? A lot of us would go like, I am. What happens if I say to you, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about the future. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Because the one who's been faithful, just look back a little bit, is going to be faithful in the things that we don't even know about right now. Yes? So here, here, let me try to illustrate where I think a lot of us are. And kind of help us out in this area. So uh, two roads, okay? So here we are. Um, we're, we're at this place, and we don't know if we go, should go right or we should go left. I don't know in my business if I should go this way or if I should go that way or in this decision I'm facing personally or in my career. Which, which way do I go? Because this way seems right and this way seems right. So what do I do? And that has led to a lot of wandering and wondering. In our, in our life. So there's where we are right there. We're standing there. And, and uh, we're going to go that way. Or we're going to go this way. And we're right here. Mark it with an X. Where are you today? What decision might you be facing today? And you're kind of going like, do I go to the right? Or do I go to the left? I don't know what's down that road, and I don't know what's down that road right there. So what do I do? If that's where you are, and many of us are, and you're online, and you're here in person, here's what we need to know. You are equipped. You have everything that you need to make the decision that you're facing right now. I want to take us to the Old Testament, to a story there that might be familiar to you if you're a Bible reader. And uh, I hope, hope that you are, you know, and you're going to recognize the story I- anyway. Um, Israel knew what it was to be, in, to be in bondage, and they knew what it was to be led by, by, the, by the Lord, by God, when he was on their side. So in Exodus chapter 13, verses 17 and 18, we'll kind of catch up to a story here. When Pharaoh let the people go, remember that story? They were in bondage. He finally let them go. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Now that's a really important point that we're going to come back to in just a moment. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, ready, equipped for battle. 
Kind of think through that story for just a little bit. God's leading his people, but not in the way that they thought they should go or maybe wanted to go. In your mind, go back to the roads, right? So that's where many of us are right now. We're going like, God, I'm standing in, in this place right here. And um, it feels like, humanly speaking, this is the way I want to go. It's, it's shorter this way. It feels better. And yet there's something in you, it's the Spirit of God, to say, no, not that way. And, and we're, we are wandering. It, it's shorter. It's going to get me to my destination closer. And God is trying to tell you, no. That's not the way to go. His spirit is speaking to you. Not that way. But it's shorter, God. No. It feels better, God. No. You see, greater than being equipped with man-made stuff. I mean, here... Here, here were the Israelites, all lined up to march. Likely had all the weapons of, of a warfare in, in, their, in, their, in their hands. Standing at the crossroads, God saying, no, not that way. That might be shorter. You might think that's the way to go. That's not the way to go. Greater than being equipped with man-made efforts and means, they were being led by God. Listen to Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. Right in the middle of this confusion, standing at this, these crossroads, this crossroads, God was saying, no, I am going to lead you this way. It might feel like you want to go that way, but I'm going to lead you. I'm going to show you the way. And he shows up. A cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. Now, I have been at those crossroads in my life. I don't know how many times, probably like maybe you are right now. And I have done both. I have followed my own inclination. Like, God, this is the way that you and I will go. You see the difference? This is God, follow me, this is the way we're going to go. And I've gone down that road, and you know what I've discovered? I wish I would have never turned right. I wish instead of me, God, you follow me, it, I wish it would have been, no God, I'm, I'm going to follow you. And this is what's happening here, but here's the good news. God steps right into the middle of that confusion, maybe even that desire to go that way and go, no, 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 follow me. I'm going to lead you. This is what he's doing for you and for me. You are equipped. Listen to Psalm chapter 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. The same God is present in your life and in mine, in the person of the Holy Spirit to do the very thing, and he equips us for all of life. Do you see a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Probably not. Maybe. God can do whatever God wants to do. But for me, it's that inner voice, the Holy Spirit that speaks to you, and he speaks to me and goes, no, 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 this is the way that you should go. 
I'm not going to leave you alone. This is the Holy Spirit that leads us and directs us and guides us. I was, I was writing, because Monday is my writing day, and so I'm, I'm, I'm writing. And I'm kind of deep in the middle of these thoughts, God, how you're leading us and how you're guiding us and how you have equipped us with the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us to whisper here, go right and go left. And I follow a guy on YouTube called Amen Alex. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. And uh, honestly, right in the middle when I'm, I'm writing, you know, all of a sudden, Amen Alex pops up. And he's, guess what he's talking about? Talking about being equipped. And so I, I thought I'd show it to you for just a second. Here it is. Listen, God's equipped turtles, man. God's equipped, you know, the, the birds of the air. He's equipped you and me for everything that we need in life. I don't know about you, but that ought to change our outlook for the rest of this day. And tomorrow morning when we wake up, we are not alone. So we're, we're going to close just a little bit differently this morning than what you're used to. I'm actually going to offer three different prayers, and then we're going to close with, I'm going to give you three D's, okay? Three D's. But we're going to pray. I'm going to offer three, three prayers. The first one is this. You're standing, for those of you who are standing at that place in the crossroads, right, in the circle, and the X marks your spot, and you're wondering, which way do I go? Which decision do I make right now? You're, you're making a business decision. You're faced with that. You're making um, a career decision. You're making a personal decision. Maybe it's a relationship um, that, that you're in of, of some type. It might be a family situation, but you right now, you right now, you're standing at the crossroads and you're wondering, which way do I go? I'm going to pray for you right now. And then I have two other prayers to offer for others. And I'm going to ask you to join me because you don't know who's sitting in front of you or behind you or, you know, on, online. We don't, we don't know what everyone's facing today. But I believe that as we pray, as we submit ourselves to him, he will, by his spirit, speak to us. Do you believe that? Then will you join me in prayer? So, Father, right now, there are people in this room and online who are standing in that spot, at, at that spot, at the crossroads. And we don't know which way to go, right or left. And our, our human self is saying, I'm going to go this way. But God, you're leading us in a different direction. You want to lead us in a different direction. It's a, it's a decision that we're facing. It's a business decision. It's a career decision. It's a family decision. It's a relationship decision. So I would pray right now in the, at this place, God, you would speak to your people through the Holy Spirit, God. And we will know, we will know that this is the way that we should go because we've heard your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. The second prayer has to do for all of you who are just worn out. And if I were to ask, how many are just tired? Like, a lot of us are going to raise our hand, right? Like, we're just worn out from the pressures of life. We, 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 we've lost strength. You're tired. I'm tired. Some have lost friends. Some have lost relationships for a number of different reasons. But you you, you need strength today that you don't have. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 40 says, listen to this. For you equipped me with what? Strength. Strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. So I'm going to pray for those of you right now who are just, you're just tired. 
you're just tired. And, and maybe the best term is you're battle-weary, right? You're battle-weary. And I'm going to pray, dear Jesus, in this moment, would you just grant strength? God, you've equipped us with strength for the battle. That's what your word says. So I would pray that we would experience that right now. I pray your spirit would just come in and just lift us up. Strengthen your people, I pray. God, when you wake up in the morning tomorrow, may we face a brand new day with brand new strength. In your name, amen. And finally, the last prayer is this. For those of you who have lost confidence, I think this is a trick of the enemy. That he will get you to think that you are not the person that you are. That you, that you, that you don't have what it, what it takes, right? You've lost confidence in who you are. And I'm just going to pray that God's Spirit just instills confidence. You're a child of God. I don't care if you've been down this journey of faith for like, you know, 50 years or, or whatever. Or maybe it's just like six months or one week or one day or maybe even today. But you have the confidence of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. And his, his, his spirit lives in you. So, God, that's what I pray right now. There are people here in person and online that the enemy has tricked into thinking they are someone who, who, who they're not. And, Father, I would pray that in this moment you would just remind us who we are. We are your sons and we are your daughters we are, we, are, we are sons and daughters of, of the living king. And God, you live in us. And I would pray that we would face life with all of that confidence. God, we don't have to worry about today. We don't have to worry about tomorrow. You will lead us and you will guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand. Can you do that? And we're going to close. And online, I'm going to ask you to, to do this very, very thing. I'm going to give you... Um, Three D's, all right, to take, take with you. You might want to jot them down. You might, you know, you'll probably just rem remember them anyway. But, but they're just three D's, th three things that we're going to do in our closing this morning. And I pray as we go. Number one, we're going to declare who we are. So everybody say declare. Declare, right? We declare that the word of the Lord is true. All of it. He is ours and we are his. <clears throat> and God has given us everything that I need all we need to do is depend upon him. He's equipped me. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through verse 5. For though we live in the world, that's where we are right now, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Amen? To demolish strongholds, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we declare that in Jesus' name. Declare. Number two, decide. Everybody say decide. Today, we decide brand new, and maybe some for the very first time, we decide that beginning today, we will live a life committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That means we're going to submit all of our life to him. Whatever that may look like, we're going to submit the rest of this day and we're going to submit tomorrow and all of life to him. That is, he will lead me and guide me in his wisdom ways as I submit myself to him. We walk in obedience. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture 
is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So we declare and we decide. And then thirdly, want to guess? We declare our dependence on Him. We depend upon Him. We commit to total dependence on the Lord. Even if the way seems shorter, and that's the way that we want to go. We depend upon Him to lead us and guide us in His wisdom ways, not the way that my human self wants to go. Will that be hard? Maybe. Will, will, is it the right thing? Absolutely. We commit to Him. I will depend on the one who never fails, not allowing emotions and feelings to rule my life. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. So we're going to first do what? Declare. Declare. We're going to secondly do what? Decide to submit to Him in His wisdom ways. And thirdly, we're going to depend upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Declare, decide, depend. Let's do that as we worship Him together, shall we?